Oh, shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Let's get it. Trey, heads or tails today? Give me heads. Heads. <laughs> I'm flipping it. It's tails again. All right. What? All right. Tarek, you want the ball? Yes, I do. Tarek wants the ball. I got an easy one, guys. Real easy. It's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, the over-under is set at 48 and a half. You taking the over or the under? You going high-scoring game, or we we having a boring Super Bowl? So the way that I project this Super Bowl is going to be over, because I, I can see it going two ways, right? I can see the Rams blowing out the Bengals, uh, which I think in that case, like the Rams would, you know, score like 35 plus points and the Bengals wouldn't have to score that much to hit the over. And the other way I can see it is is a shootout, right? So I think both ways that I'm kind of projecting the game to go, it's going to hit 49 points. So I'll take the over. All right, Trey, you taking the under? The flip side of that coin is the under. And I, I do think that the Rams are going to control this game, at least the first three quarters. And I think the defense is going to cause a lot of issues for that Bengals offense. I think the Rams offense will probably be just fine. So I could see them putting the brakes on, like kind of switching to the running game in the second half, keeping the Bengals to like around like 10 points through the first half. Uh, and I could see that ending up uh, uh, hitting the under there. So yeah, I'm, I'm projecting that, the Rams pass rush is going to be living in that backfield and the Bengals are going to have to make up some ground in the fourth quarter. And we'll see uh, whether or not that plays out for their favor. But yeah, I'll take the under. Well, fun fact. If, if you guys remember back this far, the last time Sean McVay was in the Super Bowl, he only put up three points right. all game yeah. long. So, and that offense was supposed to put up some points too. I'm hoping we don't get that, but I don't know, John, what do you think, man? Oh, Hold on, Mitch. We're allowing coaches to score now. How does Sean McVay score three points? Uh, with his foot, I presume. Yeah, he's a, he was a good kicker in college. I remember him. <laughs> Old big kick Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What the goddamn fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the long... <laughs> what the goddamn fuck? You <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, Keep it rolling. Welcome Keep it rolling. into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Bintria. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates, three weeks in a row all four boys in the house. John, what's going on, man? Uh, you know what? We're getting real close to the MLS th- season. You know what that means? I get to start talking about Austin FC at pre- pregame in here real soon. So watch out, fans. It's coming back for, for season two. Well, we're going to need something else to do after this week, man. Super Bowl and then no football. I can't believe it happened so fast. That's right, man. I was thinking about switching over to uh, my you know NBA uh, fanship, but uh, yeah, John's already got Treasus on on the mind. That's mm. it. That's where my head went straight to. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I said there's no football. I forgot. There's there is fake football. There's that new football league, right? That's what they're calling it. The USFL. Oh, not that. Whatever it is. Yeah. And I feel like around that time there was like all these fantasy content creators that were like, if you want to get a start in this space, you should 
you know, do fantasy content for this new football league. And I, I was like, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> clearly, a terrible clearly idea. it was a horrible idea. Uh, but anyway, speaking of uh, fantasy, uh, this is the Long Game Dynasty podcast. So um, before we get into our main content today, um, as we usually do, I kind of want to talk about the biggest news of the previous week. And it has to do with Alvin Kamara, um, who, as you probably heard, was involved in a fight the night before the Pro Bowl at a casino in Las Vegas. He was arrested the next day after the game. So there's reported video surveillance that doesn't sound great for Kamara, but we're obviously not going to speculate on what exactly happened because we don't know and we're not lawyers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk about this in relation to Dynasty. Did this affect your ranking of Alvin Kamara? And I really want to talk about this because recently we talked about him as being a potential buy this offseason as people kind of fade the situation of the New Orleans Saints uh, under a new coaching staff and with an uncertain quarterback situation. So uh, since this news, has that changed for any of you? Yeah, so I don't know that it's like a, a great buy opportunity, but I do think the market has already kind of dipped a little bit. So I, I looked on keep trade cut. He's down to running back 15. That feels too low to me. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think the saints are going to be very good, but I also don't know for sure whether or not, you know, this is going to result in a suspension. Like it very well could be that he's playing week one full force. So there's a couple other guys that I like over him. Like I moved him down below like Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon. Uh, but yeah, running back 15 still feels a little bit low to me. Trey, if you are not dramatically overreacting to offseason news, <laughs> then you are not doing dynasty correctly. He is running back 40. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, this is, this doesn't do anything for me. I, his rankings exactly the same now. It, there's nothing really to react to right now. Like he hasn't been charged with anything. He's just been booked and it's like in process. So we'll get more information later. And I think that's when you should react um, there, there's it's much to do about nothing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm with you guys here. Look, he's turning 27 before the season starts. And even if he is on a suspension, the fantasy season's really long. So he's going to help you out towards the end of the season, even if he is suspended. So if your league mates are starting to fade him, personally, I'm getting in there now just to get a dialogue, just to check the temperature. And I'll send my first offer if the suspension news drops. I'll send it around then. Okay. Yeah, I did move him down kind of to the bottom of like tier three. So he was right around where I have Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley. And I moved him down to running back 13, which is below J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson. So it's essentially like if you have somebody in your league who really believes in the overall talent of Alvin Kamara, I'm fine trying to trade him away for like a Dobbins or an Akers and get some years back if you can. Um, but I'm not going to like move him out of that tier because like John said, we don't know what's going to happen if he's suspended. It's likely max, like going to be half of a season. Right. So, um, we, you know, I said, we're not going to speculate on what's going to happen, but you know, I, because of slightly higher risk, I did move him down to the bottom of a tier that he was kind of previously on top of. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I mean, I guess there was a football game that happened too. Yeah. That, I, I hear that they, they played some kind of all-star game in which, you know, uh, receivers weren't really running routes and there was like a lot of pick sixes. So yeah. Uh, Pro did, Bowl. Cool. Did any of you guys actually turn it on? Hell no, dude. 
No, I did not. <laughs> I don't watch not. football. <laughs> well, uh, John, I don't know if you're talking for yourself, if you're talking for me here, but if I'm not watching real games, I sure as shit am not watching the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I've been saying it for years, guys. Just have the AFC and the NFC teams play basketball against each other or something. Just have them play something. Play dodgeball. Yeah. yeah. I, I personally, yeah, dodgeball would be cool. I personally think like they don't market the skills competition stuff enough, you know? Like for the NBA, the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest are lit, you know? Like I watch those and I never watch the All-Star game for the NBA. So if they can really heavily market some kind of skills competition for the NFL, like these are incredible athletes, like let them showcase that. Um, But anyway, you know, all that aside, um, let's get into this episode. So we are in week two of our four-week series reviewing the 2021 rookie class. We're examining how they did and kind of what we expect moving forward. And most importantly, we're kind of talking about what our thoughts are in regards to their current market value. So today uh, we've got the second group of wide receivers. We talked about kind of the highly drafted wide receivers last week. And we're also going to talk about the 2021 quarterback class today. So let's get started and kick off this first half. Now, we were going in order of draft capital, but I'm throwing that out the window right off the bat because I want to talk about the star of the show very quickly, and that is the sun god, Amon Ra St. Brown. He was drafted 112th overall to the Lions. That was the early fourth round. Finished the year with 90 receptions on 119 targets for 912 yards and five touchdowns. So from work week 13 on, he was the wide receiver two overall behind Cooper Cup and PPR. That six-game stretch was truly bananas. So, Trey, do you think Amon Ra is for real? Like, is this Stefan Diggs or is this Keelan Cole? Yeah, man, that's a really good uh, uh, end-of-the-year run that he had. So uh, wide receiver two overall is is incredible. And it really kind of rounded out a, a really strong rookie year overall. But um you know, just looking at the stats that I'm, I always go to, target share was really strong, 22.3%. Air yard share wasn't bad, 23.2%. Yards per route run, 1.9. So we kind of just missed that two yards per route run cutoff that I really wanted him to hit, but it's not bad. He's close. Uh, the A dot was bad. It was 6.9. So that was worse than Waddle, slightly better than Kadarius Tony, who we were ripping on for his A dot uh, during the last pod. But you know, I think the Sun God benefited a little bit uh, towards the end of the season from the absence of DeAndre Swift and the absence of TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, of course, he only had five touchdowns on the year because that offense was so bad, you know, so maybe a little bit of t- positive touchdown regression coming his way. Uh, for me, I am not going to bet that he is the next Stefan Diggs because, you know, he very easily could just be a flash in the pan here. And he's all the way up to wide receiver 21. So that's some a great sell window here. And, you know, if you got this guy, you probably got him for like a mid to late second round pick last year. Like cash out now and take your profit. So uh, you could package him plus a second round pick uh, for DJ Moore right now, which I'm very into. You could also probably swap him straight up for Calvin Ridley, who I think uh, is going to come back full force uh, next season. So I would be happy to move him for either of those guys. I, I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum here, Trey. Uh, I I think I was the highest on him when we were doing the offseason stuff last year. And uh, I did, I did uh, in a super flex league, I think I did get him mid to late second, like you said. Uh, but 
You did a really excellent job of quoting it, the stats, the analytical stuff there, and I appreciate that. Uh, but he, there's something that's harder to quantify, and that's just busting out at the end of the year. I love to see that from a rookie. He, That's like the exact process I want to see, guys that uh, hit their peak at the end. Now, you made an excellent case while well, Hawk was out. Swift was out, but still he had the opportunity and he took it. And not every guy can do that. So I'm I'm not a sell. Uh, and maybe at wide receiver 21, I think that's a little high for me. I've got him at 25, but that's kind of just like splitting hairs a little bit. Uh, I think I'm not sure he's the real deal, but I also think that he he has the ability to stay here. So he's not a sell in this price range. I'm perfectly happy to keep him on my team. A nice young guy. Uh, who's running good routes and probably is going to get a better better quarterback in the very near future. I remember last year thinking the same thing, though, thinking during that six-game stretch, like, is this for real? Uh, he's got to just drop off eventually, and he just didn't. And he got, he got so hot at the end of the year. And as you guys mentioned, uh, like Swift went down, they were starting to use him one or two times a game out of the backfield as well. And he looked excellent doing that. Everywhere they put him, he looked excellent. I mean, that's a really limited sample size. Sure, it's one or two touches. But, like, now I'm with John. I, it makes me uneasy to, like, just put my money down and buy Amon Ra. But I don't know, guys. I, I think he's pretty good. I have him at uh, quarterback, or quarterback. I have him at wide receiver 25, which is still behind market, according to keep trade cut. But... I like Trey's too. I like Trey's idea too. If you're trading up, if you're trading up to get a better wide receiver, then that's what I would do with Amon Ra. But I wouldn't trade down for two uh, lesser receivers or a lesser receiver and a pick. So it sounds like both you guys are saying hold, whereas I'm saying you know go get one of these guys who's a little bit more established at this point. I think that that summarizes where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out to Akash at YZR underscore Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, we have referenced him several times on this podcast. Um, he basically pointed out that Amon Ra St. Brown um, got an 80 for PFF reception grades. And if you kind of compare that rookie score to other day three rookies, his comps are uh, Marquise Colston, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin, and Stephon Dix. So that's a pretty impressive group of receivers to be mentioned with. Obviously, PFF grades aren't everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Mitch said that, that heater for the last six games was truly impressive. And me and Mitch, I, I think in a podcast that we did one-on-one, -on -one, we essentially advocated in the middle of that stretch to start Amon Ross St. Brown over DK Metcalf, mm -hmm. like, you know, so we were believers in real time, but translating that into dynasty value is a little bit more difficult. Like it looks like all of us are just like a couple spots below the keep trade cut rank. So what that signals to me as a consensus is hold, maybe a sell, not a particularly strong buy right now. All right, let's move on to the next receiver we're going to talk about here. And that was Josh Palmer, who was drafted 77th overall to the Los Angeles Chargers. He finished with 33 receptions on 49 targets for 353 yards and four touchdowns. He only played about 40% of the total snaps, although he did start running a lot more routes down the stretch. So, John, uh, the Chargers are your favorite team, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> 
Palmer came out of nowhere in the prospecting process. I'm pretty sure he was like on none of our radars before the Chargers pulled the trigger in the third round. So what's your opinion of Josh Palmer moving forward? Well, it's uh, I wouldn't call it uh, strong, a strong. Uh, I think I'm the low man here just looking at our ranks. I've got him in the wide receiver 80 range. And I the reason for that is pretty simple. Uh, he looked good at times at the end of the season. But I think his destiny is always going to be the wide receiver three uh, at best for the Chargers. I think that they're, if Mike Williams walks, if they don't re-sign him, then they're going to bring in somebody else to fill that spot. Keenan Allen's still there. I just don't think there's a road for Josh Allen or for Josh Palmer to be fantasy relevant this season or anytime in the next two or three seasons. So uh, I, I don't really want to have much to do with Josh Palmer. He's He's got roster clogger written all over him as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mitch, what do you think? Okay, so I'm kind of surprised that you feel this way, considering it's your favorite team and... You know, he started to come on late towards the end of the year. So yeah, but Mitch, we don't all make decisions based on our favorite team like you do, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, week fourteen to week eighteen, four of those five games, he had at least five targets, and three out of those five games, he got a touchdown. And like, let's not forget, guys, the Chargers were fighting for their playoff lives during that span, and of course, they died. But you know, they gave it their best effort, and. Josh Palmer was a part of that effort. Now, whether that remains into next season, that's that's the difficult part, right? But Mike Williams isn't signed yet, and I think that they are liable to sign a wide receiver in free agency if they don't sign him, or even if they do re-sign him. So, like John said, the wide receiver three seems to be the ceiling there, but that's not really a bad ceiling in the Chargers offense either. So, I'm willing to pay a third-round pick or even like a late second, but he's not exactly on my shopping list either, so he'd be more of a guy I would want to get included as a throw-in my direction. Um, But maybe he's earned himself some playing time with that performance towards the end of the year. Yeah, and even if he has earned himself some playing time, I'm not going to invest a second-round pick on a guy who projects to be the third wide receiver, even if it is in a great offense, so... Uh, there's other wide receivers in this range that I would uh, much rather have than Josh Palmer. Uh, Jacoby Myers is going right around this range. So is Adam Thielen, who probably has a year or two left. Uh, so, you know, that's just more consistent production that I think you can bank in your starting lineup. Whereas I don't think this guy's ever going to crack uh, a starting roster for me in any format uh, on a consistent basis. Right. So um, I think there's a huge opportunity cost for trading a second or even an early third for a guy who doesn't really look like he has that upside. And look, we did, he wasn't on a radar because he didn't really produce at all in college. The only reason he was drafted in the third is because he had that alpha size and speed combo and he showed out in the senior bowl and the, the Chargers fell in love with that. It's funny because his keep trade cut price is wide receiver 51, I believe. And yeah. I have him wide receiver 50. So I'm actually kind of in lockstep with the market right now, if that's what we're going to call our market. But at the same time, like even as I say that, I don't think I would go out and buy him because as narrative as this is, you know, and, and we've talked about it a couple of times, he's one of those players that if you roster him, you don't want to just kind of give him up for nothing, right? I don't think most managers who have Josh Palmer are going to sell him for a third, right? And I definitely wouldn't buy him for a second. And I, and when I look at where he's at on the list, like Adam Thielen, LaVisca Chenault, Nico Collins, you know, I'd probably take Chenault and Thielen above him. 
But like Nico Collins and Josh Palmer, that's about even. So if we're looking there, but I just think in terms of like overall manager sentiment, uh, he's not going to be easy to acquire for what you want unless he's just like a throw into a bigger deal. And then at that point, it's just like whatever. It's a wide receiver six, you know? Right. So, um, okay. So uh, we're going to kind of speed through these last couple of wide receivers so we can spend the meat of the podcast talking about the quarterbacks. But uh, the next guy I wanted to mention really quick was Diami Brown, who was drafted 82nd overall to the Washington Commies, uh, formerly known as the football team. 25 targets, 12 receptions, 165 yards and zero touchdowns. Really disappointing considering he had a pretty nice uh, prospect profile. So Mitch, uh, looks like a face planner. Brown lost a bunch of snaps to the likes of DeAndre Carter, Cam Sims, Adam Humphreys. Is there any hope here? No, no, there's not. And <laughs> it's a shame because unlike Josh Palmer, uh, this guy was on our radar last offseason. And yeah. uh, you know what? It's time to cut bait here. Uh, I have a few shares of Diami. Um, I would like to see that number closer to zero. Like his value is on keep trade cut wide receiver 73 pretty bad and that means uh honestly he doesn't have any value that said i don't think i'm dropping him yet um just because there's nobody i really see that i would like more than him currently but maybe some preseason hype happens but no drop him i don't care yeah i think this brings up kind of a strategy question for guys in this range which is should you be rostering these like uh dart throw wide receiver prospects to kind of fill up the end of your bench or should you be going after uh handcuffs guys like Darrell Williams Zach Moss who are both going in the same range as Diami Brown right now who in my opinion have a lot better paths to returning value next season like you know all you need is an injury all you need is for like those guys to get hot at the right time whereas like I don't really see a path to value for Diami Brown or Josh Palmer necessarily so uh give me the handcuffs in that range. And that's why, you know, anytime you look at my <laughs> roster, it's just full of those kind of cuff running backs. I'll, I want to, I'll push back on that just a little bit because the wide receivers in general do take a little bit longer to uh, develop in the NFL. So I, I guess I'm in between, like I wouldn't be mad at Mitch for keeping him on his roster and to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm actually with Trey here that, uh, <laughs> I'd rather. Yeah, have I mean, don't drop, don't drop him. You know, try to move right. him for yeah. somebody who yeah. who likes the name, who liked the prospect profile, right? So, John, let me actually ask you: um, in every rookie draft I was in last offseason, Diami Brown was a late second round pick. Um, so, would you buy Diami Brown, or sorry, would you sell Diami Brown for a third, a random third? I would sell Diami Brown for any random third. Yes, yes, I would. Okay, hundred percent. <laughs> okay, so there's a triad of guys I want to talk about and kind of group together here. That's Amari Rogers, Nico Collins, and Anthony Schwartz. They were all kind of drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. Are any of these three guys on your radar as cheap targets or are they stashes at best? Or, you know, otherwise, are there any other receivers you want to highlight quickly before we kind of move on to the quarterback position? I'm not buying any of these receivers in this range, uh, but if you can move Nico Collins again for a handcuff, a guy like Chuba Hubbard or Darrell Henderson, who are going in that range, then definitely do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I agree. Nico is one of those throw in pieces similar to Josh Palmer. Like, you know, if I were going out to acquire him, 
I would only be doing so as a throw-in. I wouldn't be offering picks for Nico Collins, but he's 6'4", 215, and he has a more clear path, in my opinion, to playing time than the other two guys that we've mentioned, Anthony Schwartz and Amari Rogers. Mitch, I, I, I'm not going out and trading for Nico Collins, but I do think that he has a better chance of returning value than Deami Brown or Josh Palmer or these other two guys at this point. Yeah. All right. So let's transition to the quarterback position and we'll do one quarterback before we do our halftime segment. So the first overall pick last year by the Jaguars, obviously Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. He finished the season with 3,641 passing yards, 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. He also had 73 carries for 334 rushing yards, which was pretty decent. Trey Lawrence was truly awful as a passer Six yards per attempt, 54.2 true passer rating, which is a player profiler stat. Number one in interceptable passes. Oof. How are you feeling about Trevor Lawrence? One of the best QB prospects of all time, but a really bad rookie year. Yeah, it was a terrible rookie year. I don't think any of us expected uh, the Jags to be that bad. I think we all thought the Jags would suck, but I don't think we thought it was going to be like the disaster that it was. Yeah. Uh, for any of these rookie quarterbacks coming in, I don't think you should panic when they have a bad rookie year. I think honestly, that should be our expectation for rookie quarterbacks coming into the league and like be pleasantly surprised when a guy like Mac Jones comes in and looks like a pro immediately. So for Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, could he turn into a bust at this point? Absolutely. It was was a terrible rookie year. But if I'm betting on the guy, I'm going to bet that he's going to still return value and still turn into a long-term answer in the league. So uh, at... Quarterback 10 on keep trade cut. He's a strong hold for me. And I'm saying no need to panic at this point. Now, I did move him behind Trey Lance and Justin Fields, though, who I know we're still going to talk about. Uh, So I would be trying to flip Lawrence for one of those guys if I could. But again, I'm not not somebody I'd be uh, aggressively trying to sell at this point. I I guess I'm the high man here. I still have Trevor Lawrence as my QB8, and uh, I saw it at the end of the season. His very last game looked like the Trevor Lawrence of old. I know he still got it. I think once he gets out of his head, he's going to be the quarterback we all thought he was going to be. Uh, new coach is going to help that. He got out of Urban's whatever was going on there. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I feel good about Trevor Lawrence. I know that like all the evidence says I shouldn't, but I still have a really positive outlook of Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's still going to have the ceiling of being a tier one quarterback in Dynasty. Yeah, I'll be the middle guy then. And some of those passes he threw last year were inexcusably bad. So, you know, uh, we're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to make some excuses. Like, like John said, whatever Urban Meyer was doing, well, it was pathetic. But, you know, Tarek touched on the rushing, you know, we know he's got wheels, and I think that my instincts tell me he's going to bounce back next year, and he's got that top 10 quarterback for years and years and years ahead of him potential, so where I'm at, I'm not willing to like slam my fist down on the table and pay up for him right now, but if I'm in a startup this year, I'm not going to think twice before drafting him. I have him ranked at quarterback 11, and I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, uh, I have him... At quarterback 12. Um, so I'm drafting him at cost essentially, and I'm not, you know, going out of my way to acquire him. Uh, I think he's like the all the quarterbacks, most of the quarterbacks we're going to talk about today, at least with the top three or four guys, it's like they 
all have the clearest potential to like jump into that tier one. Whereas guys like Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, you know, they're not going to move out of low end QB one territory just because we know what they are. With all most of the guys we're talking about today, we still don't know who these guys are. So I, I think I've got him at QB twelve, but you know he's he's got the biggest chance to ascend relative to the guys around him. Um, and yeah, like I liked. I, I mean, I wish they would have gotten Leftwich, but you know the Peterson hire was not too bad. And hey, they they got the guy. Uh, the passing game coordinator is going to be one of the best uh, football names in in the world, uh, Jim Bob Cooter. So, mm. oh, Jim yeah. Bob's coming to Jacksonville. Jim Bob. All right. Yeah. You got to You got to buy that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking Jacksonville probably goes O-line in the draft. You know, they, they definitely need the O-line help. Uh, so get Trevor Lawrence a little bit more protection up front. Maybe some more. They're probably going weapons going defense with the first pick overall because they have to. But we'll see what happens after that. No, no. You guys are you guys are crazy. They're going to watch what the Bengals did and they're going to take. Traylon Burks, man. They're just going to go wide receiver overall. One overall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark my words. All right. Mic check. Four. It is halftime. So the Super Bowl is this Sunday, and it's our last chance of the season to get some prop bets in. So very simple. I want everyone to give me their favorite prop bet for the big game, and I will start us off. I'm going with Aaron Donald plus 1500 for Super Bowl MVP. Hmm. Now, I know it's always sharp to bet quarterbacks for MVP, but fuck it. It's been six years since a defensive player got Super Bowl MVP, and the guy who got it is Aaron Donald's teammate, Von Miller. I would argue there hasn't been a defensive player as dominant in the Super Bowl since then as Aaron Donald. I think the Rams are going to win, and like I said in the coin toss, I think it could low-key be a blowout. So I'll be putting a little bit of money on Stafford and Cup as well. But if I had to choose one, I'm going with Donald, who I think will embarrass the interior of that offensive line all night. And I'm going to try to 15x my money. Mitch, what you got? Well, I got two for you. Uh, whichever way you lean, uh, I got a Super Bowl MVP for both teams. Uh, first one, if the Rams win, I got Jalen Ramsey plus 8,000. Those odds will get Han Solo nice and stiff. 20 bucks wins you, <laughs> uh, what, 1,600 bucks? Yes, please. Wow. Uh, I agree with everything Tarek just said about Aaron Donald, except one. I'm thinking the offensive game plan might have heard about this Aaron Donald guy and might, you know, send all of their terrible O-linemen to protect Burrow from getting crushed by him and, you know, enter Jalen Ramsey. If he takes one to the house and it's a low-scoring Super Bowl, I could easily see Ramsey winning that MVP. And on the other side of this, um, if you prefer to... Go with the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. I got Jamar Chase plus twenty five hundred, and twenty bucks is going to win you five hundred bucks. If the Bengals win it and Chase has two touchdowns or a bunch of yards, I could definitely see them err towards uh, Jamar Chase instead of Joe Burrow. And most of all, I think this is going to be the most fun matchup to keep your eyes on during the Super Bowl: Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. It, it's, oh, I like it. It's funny because the uh, the odds would suggest Chase, but I think uh, Ramsey has a like a lot better chance of actually winning that MVP. I, wasn't it? Didn't Malcolm Butler get it when the Pats? Yeah, won a exa- years ago? Yeah, yeah, Malcolm Butler was before Von Miller. He was it was Malcolm Butler. So right. there is some precedent, you know, if a DB makes a big impact. I, I like the Ramsey pick a lot. Yeah, yeah, Mitch, I like that one better than uh, than Chase personally. 
Well, I would like to put 20 on both personally. You know, I might just <laughs> take it, a dude. walk to one of those states and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take a walk to wh- which state would it be for you? Would it be Georgia? I think it'd be far. I think it'd be too far. <laughs> <laughs> too far to walk. You walk to Illinois. <laughs> all right. Sure. Uh, all right. Give me, give me Joe Cool, man. Give me his uh, total pass attempts number over 36 and a half. And uh, this is not as spicy as you guys. This is only paying out, uh, you know, minus 106. But Burrow has hit this mark four out of his last five games. And, you know, 36 and a half uh, pass attempts. I think what this reflects is I'm really betting on the Bengals going to have a tough time running the ball against the Rams front seven. You know, I don't think Mixon's going to have a great day. So they're going to have to go to the pass. Uh, and then I also think the Rams are going to control this game. Like I said, during coin flip for at least the first three quarters. And since he's going to have to be forced to play catch up. So it's not a big payout, but I'm very comfortable with this one hitting Trey, you know, the Bengals may struggle, but God damn it. Every first and 10 Zach Taylor is going to ram Joe Mixon up the middle <laughs> of the line. Like his life fucking depends on it. Mixon might have zero rushing yards this game. I, I might, maybe I should have <laughs> taken the Mixon rushing under, but uh, now nah, give me, yeah. give me burrow pass attempts. All right, John, what you got? Uh, I am also of the opinion that this thing's going to end up being a shootout. So uh, I've, I've got the two that would be the sensible things to do i'm going to take the over on rams over 3.5 touchdowns and i'm going to take the over on the bengals at two and a half touchdowns i think these both hit and the bungholes take their rightful place in the history books go joe burrow i like that so you're getting plus 150 for the rams over so they got to hit four touchdowns and you're getting plus 105 for three touchdowns on the bengals Uh hey that's not bad if you think it's going to be a shootout you know go ahead and parlay it right Freudian slip <laughs> shit out. <laughs> that would be an exciting, that would be an exciting Super Bowl, which we haven't had a really exciting one. I don't think in recent history. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. That's what I want to happen. That's what I, I'm going to put my money on it to make it happen. Rooting and tooting. All right. So a uh, quick recap. I've got Aaron Donald plus 1500 Super Bowl MVP. Mitch has two Jalen Ramsey plus 8,000 Super Bowl MVP and Jamar Chase plus 2,500 Super Bowl MVP. Trey's got Burrow pass attempts over 36 and a half. And John's got both of the touchdown overs for the team. So Rams at three and a half and Bengals at two and a half. All right, let's kick off this second half. We're going to be talking five quarterbacks in the second half. So let's get rolling. The first one, Zach Wilson, who was drafted second overall to the New Jersey Jets. He played in 13 games. 2,334 yards and nine touchdowns to go along with 11 interceptions. Also had 29 carries for 185 yards and four rushing touchdowns. If I remember correctly, a lot of those yards came on one rush. John, Wilson was pretty decent at the deep ball and in the red zone, but outside of that, he was pretty much just as bad or worse than Lawrence in the major passing category. So thoughts on Z-Dub, or as Mitch likes to call him, the baby jet moving forward. So I'm going to be the low man here at QB 21. Uh, You said, um, I think right before we talk about Trevor Lawrence, that we don't really know who these guys are, but I got a pretty good idea who Zach Wilson is. And uh, I don't think he's got long-term NFL quarterback in his future. Um, This might be like Mitchell Trubisky rookie contract sort of situation. And so my ranking is at 21, which is still a QB2 because you're right, the deep ball is there and he does kind of waltz down the field every once in a while. So while he's playing, I think he's going to score some points, but I just don't like his long-term NFL prospects and I'm ranking him as such. He is who you thought he was. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, there's a there's kind of a tier of guys right around here. I think Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill uh, have to be like kind of right next to each other in this range too. So uh, to me, I think it's kind of a question. Do you prefer Zach Wilson and the rookie upside versus those vets? Or do you want like the sure thing of those vets? So I, I'm going to repeat what I said for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think you should panic at this point. I think we should expect these rookie quarterbacks to come in and, you know, struggle in year one. You know, the comp for Zach Wilson, again, was like the gunslinger, Pat Mahomes, like Brett Favre type, uh, you know, archetype, which I don't know that we really saw in his rookie year, but I'm not going to panic. I think he's a strong hold at quarterback 16, which is right where I've got him. Yeah. According to keep trade cut, Zach Wilson is technically worth Michael Pittman or Travis Kelsey or TJ Hawkinson or pick 105 in this year's draft. And I can get down with the draft pick, but maybe, maybe mm-hmm. Pittman, but I don't think I'm moving either of them, either of the other guys for Zach Wilson there. You know, if I had Kelsey, I'd be better off trying to catch a bigger fish anyway than the baby jet. So I think right, really right. if he's a buyer or a sell is kind of league dependent because whoever got him picked him up with a first round pick. So, well, you so know, Mitch, there was, a, there was a top five at the beginning of the rookie process, right? And everybody pretty much for the most part had Zach Wilson four and Mac Jones five. Like we all agree here. Mac Jones like clearly overtook Wilson in all our ranks. Right. I mean, yes, I not me. No, yes. I'm still holding out. I'm still holding out. I'm really? still addi- yeah, I, I'm still addicted to that upside, you know, and and it's funny because like I said, he didn't have that great of rushing stats other than the four rushing touchdowns because a lot of his 185 yards came on one big run. Um, but I, I know that he can do that, you know, um, and, and Mac Jones is just never going to be able to touch that. So it, they're close. It's like, but if I were trading one for one, I think I would still prefer Zach Wilson, which no, give me Mac Jones, man. Okay. <laughs> the thing about Mac Jones is I think he is who we thought he was. I think that he is a perennial quarterback to, I think no matter he's what. better than, he's better than what we thought. And he, he well, no, I'm yeah, Mac Jones, but I'm saying Zach Wilson, I'm saying I don't know yet. I think that his yeah. potential upside is higher than Mac Jones's potential upside, but Mac Jones is certainly the more safe bet here. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. He essentially already broke out year one. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of a bunch of upside and we don't know, the next guy we're going to talk about is Trey Lance, who went third overall to the 49ers, and he really only played meaningful snaps in three games. So the raw stats aren't helpful here, but he did on that very small sample size hit 8.5 yards per pass attempt, uh, which is an elite number. Um, And in those three games, he averaged 54 rushing yards per game. So Mitch, all signs point toward Jimmy G wanting and expecting a trade. So it looks like Lance is going to take over the reins here. What's your opinion of Trey Lance as a dynasty asset? Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm high on Trey Lance here. I have him all the way up to QB7. And that's one of the drawbacks of doing this show is that once, uh, once my league mates find out about that, I can't really negotiate anymore for what I was trying to get for him. Uh, but guys, Jimmy G's donezo. The writing's on the wall. They've already talked about trading him, and they want to trade him to a winner because, you know, nothing says winner like needing Jimmy Garoppolo to put your franchise over the top, right? But it ain't about Jimmy, right? Trey Lance is surrounded by a ton of talent and a coach that knows how to run the ball, and Trey Lance runs. And with those weapons, like Tarek said, he was drafted third overall. He's going to be a starting quarterback 
on a team that was one win away from the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, anyone, right? No, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, but I do think Lance has the potential to finish quarterback one as soon as next season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. I would be impressed, but I wouldn't be surprised. So his situation props him up into that category, and as much as I don't like to let situation dictate my opinions, with quarterbacks, it's a little bit different. I'm, again, the low man here, but I've got him at QB 16, which I think is basically, it's the same as it was preseason, because I said it in the preseason, I'm saying now, that's where I'm sticking him until I see him do it. And guess what? Trey Lance just didn't do it enough this season. So, I mean, I think he can do it, like Mitch says, but I'm not ready to bet on that yet, especially not on a quarterback in a super flex league. What if he totally falls on his face? That is still well... Still within, well within the realm of possibility here. So I'm not ready to make that jump yet. I know y'all, y'all like your young QBs and you're ready to jump all over them, but I, I'm just, you know, maybe. I'm standing but... here with my fist raised at a wad of cash saying, <laughs> take my money, damn it. <laughs> Trey, I'm going to let you finish. But John, the, what I want to, you know, push you on is that if Trey Lance falls on his face, He's going to be falling on his face to like 20 to 25 fantasy points every single game until he gets kicked off the team, which is not going to be for a couple of years because he's got that third overall value insulation, right? Yeah. So we know Trey Lance is going to get like 30% of his fantasy production from his rushing. Well, his downside is like Jalen Hurts on an off day. Yeah. You know, like he's still going to put up, you know, 100 yards rushing with like, you know, a touchdown and a half, right? So y'all are talking like this guy is a finished product, but if he was, you know, he would have been starting this year. Well, like, I don't know about that because they, Kyle like, Shanahan I think, does not think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He does. Uh, well, but okay, hang on. So that, that was a team that went to the NFC championship game. Like they absolutely like had a quarterback that could get them there. They didn't have to play the rookie. And I think this is more like, Shanahan not letting the the rookie quarterback play and like put them over the edge and put them in the Super Bowl game. So I, I don't know. I'm with Mitch on this one. I, I don't know that he's a strong buy, uh, you know, because he is like valued so high right now. But like absolutely uh, think he has like the highest upside, like the clearest path to like a Lamar Jackson breakout uh, next year. And uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the five, you know, big quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks that are last year's draft class, he's moved up to number one for me. Yeah. It's just like, even if he is a bad quarterback, we know he's going to be a good fantasy producer. And we know that he's going to do that for at least two years because he was drafted third overall. Right. right? Unless he doesn't play. (laughs) No, because they're not just going to completely yank him after drafting him third overall and trading away their starters so that he could play. John, do you think they're keeping Jimmy G? What's going on over there? I don't know what. I think John's, we've been John's over betting this. on like a five percent outcome right here. We, no, well, John, John's I'm, just a textbook conservative. That's true. The textbook. <laughs> I voted Elizabeth Warren textbook conservative. <laughs> no, no, I think you know we don't know what's going to happen. We've talked about it many times. Kyle Shanahan is a wild card, and I just am not ready to make any bets on what he is going to decide to do. Not yet. Scared. Scared. He's scared of the Shanahan again. Scared. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next guy, Justin Fields, who was drafted 11th overall to the Chicago Bears. He started 11 games, 270 attempts for 1,870 passing yards, 
seven touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He added 72 carries for 420 rushing yards, which, you know, is great. So Trey, uh, Fields struggled like the previous few guys we've talked about, but showed a willingness to throw it downfield this year. And we know he's got the rushing floor. So what do you think of Fields' rookie year and his value moving forward? Man, I'm so happy you let me talk about Justin Fields. I I loved this guy coming through the rookie eval process. You know, I went back and forth between him and Trevor Lawrence as my QB1 going through the rookie season. So I, I actually tweeted this out about a month or so ago and, uh, I was looking at his game log from last year and uh, I found this point in the season where if you just arbitrarily cut the season in half right at week eight, before that point, he had 7.3 points per game on average, which, yeah, obviously terrible. But after that point, he averaged 17 points per game from weeks eight through 15. And in four out of those five games, because he missed two weeks because of COVID, he was a QB one in those four out of five weeks. So Towards the back half of the season, he absolutely proved it. Now, I know I di- kind of discounted that for Monroe St. Brown earlier, but I think it is maybe a little bit more meaningful when a quarterback does it than a receiver. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, a, a first round quarterback with that pedigree. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that that progress and like that promise that just showed enough uh, for me to put him slightly above Trevor Lawrence in my rankings. And the reason I like this guy so much is he's just got that elite top end arm talent combined with that rushing ability. Like I've thought of him as just a younger, faster uh, Deshaun Watson ever since he came into the league, you know, and obviously a much better person. Right. So um, I really like the the coaching change in Chicago. I think uh, Matt Eberflus is probably going to be good enough. And I'm really hopeful that he and the new GM are going to be able to, you know, help turn this organization around and put Justin Fields in position to, uh, to break out. So, yeah, I, again, I, He's probably the strongest buy out of those top three for me at this point. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'm the low guy on this one. I got him at 13, but it's so close with the guys that he's next to. Like, I have him two behind Trevor Lawrence and right behind Jalen Hurts. And I think that category is just where Justin Fields is. It's where he belongs right now. Uh, He's got the top 10 potential, just like Trey mentioned. I think that he did prove that. So now that Matt Nagy's yeah. at working at McDonald's, like Fields has got to be a buy. <laughs> top top five potential, yeah, I would say. Like, like M- Trey mentioned the arm talent. Ten point one air yards per attempt was number two in the entire NFL. So he was not afraid to throw it downfield. And you saw some of those passes to um, Darnell Mooney. He can put up some dimes down the field. That's for sure. And the, John, the, what do you think? The off- Well, sorry, John, but the, the offense doesn't even have to be like top end. You know, they, they literally can't be any worse than they were last year with Nagy. Yeah. yeah when when they were running the two minute offense, uh, I saw the Justin Fields. I saw at Ohio State. He wasn't thinking. He was just throwing it downfield. He was running when he had to. And that's the Justin Fields. I remember I saw it in flashes. I think that's what if they're smart, they're going to build the offense around that and they'll be successful. Uh, I've got him at QB 13 right now, and I still have. Trevor Lawrence ahead of him, unlike Trey, because of obviously take lock. <laughs> <laughs> the take lock is. I fun. mean, look, Chris Harris, uh, a guy uh, I like to reference on this podcast a lot. He was like tearing his eyes out all year because Matt Nagy just refused to not run the Andy Dalton offense for Justin Fields, right? Right. He just tried to put Justin Fields in the Andy Dalton offense, and it's stupid. Like John said, Put him in the hurry up, put him in a place where you can highlight his skills, his rushing skills, his improvisation, his outside of the pocket skills, 
and stop trying to make him this dink and dunk Randy Dalton, you know? So hopefully the new coaching staff understands that. Right? Yeah. It's crazy, man. Let that guy get in space. Like let him run around these linebackers, like let him sling it down the field. Like he's got all the talent in the world. They just need to put the system in place around him. All right. Uh, next guy we're going to talk about McCorkle Jones drafted 15th overall to the new England Patriots. We talked about him or we gestured toward him a little bit earlier uh, had the best season of all these guys. 521 attempts for 3,802 yards, 67.6% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns and 13 in- interceptions, 7.3 yards per attempt, which is a very respectable number. John, like I said, clearly the best season of the QB group. We know the rushing is close to non-existent, but should Mac be valued as a low-end QB1 just because of long-term security? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, you said you said uh, that we didn't know who these guys are. We know exactly who Mac Jones is and who he is has a lot of value. He is going to be a mid to low uh, QB2 for his entire career. Yeah. A lot of value in that in Superflex. Will he ever be a QB1? Hell no. No chance of that. But is he going to be a consistent performer? I think so. I think he'll be really consistent for as long as he's playing. So that's a great QB2. Uh, I, I don't expect him to be anything higher or lower than that his entire career. And I think there's a lot of value in that. If he's the QB three on my team, I'm a happy camper. That is the ideal QB three plug and play. But if he's starting week to week, I am not pleased. So, so Mitch, you say that, but like, if you could say he is your QB three, right. And say you could work out a deal with the, uh, Zach Wilson manager, right. And maybe you flip Mac Jones for like a plus like another receiver for like Devontae Smith and uh, Zach Wilson. Like I would absolutely do that because you actually have upside from there, right? Like this is probably like the highest his value is ever going to be. And it'll probably just like stay at this for the rest of his career, right? Like unless he has like a crazy, you know, awesome touchdown luck like one year. So I don't know. I think everything went right for this dude this year. Um, you know, clearly he's an amazing passing talent, but without any of that, like, uh, rushing ability, you know, I I've got him kind of in the QB 14 range. So he's not even like a strong sell, but there's a lot of value for like other guys in that range that you can go get. Yeah. He's, I mean, the comp that we and everybody made in the preseason was Kirk cousins, right? Like he, that was kind of his ceiling outcome. And I think that's bearing out. Right. So where I want to push back a tiny bit, which is funny because like I have him lower, um, than, you know, Trey does. Um, so I'm actually, even though I'm still relatively low on him, especially relative to the market where I want to push back is I think we thought Mac Jones was a dink and dunk guy and maybe just like a game manager. And I think he is a little bit better than that. Like, I think he exceeded expectations, like 8.2 air yards per attempt. He's willing to throw it downfield. I mean, maybe I'm just like, I'm actually not representing what we thought going into the year. Um, But I I think my expectation was like his median outcome was probably like a dink and dunk game manager and his ceiling outcome was Kirk Cousins. And I think he's kind of closer to hitting his ceiling outcome than his median outcome, which is good. That means you got value back from where you drafted him in rookie drafts and startups. Yeah, I, I think uh, not to rewrite history here, but like going back to like the rookie process, you know, I didn't 
like Mac Jones because his upside was contingent on him being like a 90 percentile plus passer, like Tom Brady level, uh, like quarterback, like reading defenses, decision making, like ability to throw downfield, which he did as a rookie. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's not really a whole lot of upside from here without like some some touchdown luck. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, hopefully they invest in that uh, pass catching core a little bit more, too. Uh, he could definitely use uh, a better receiving core than Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Um, so, you know, that could help him out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I think we're all in lockstep here. Um, maybe he's got like individual seasons where he finishes as a low end QB one sure moving forward. But you know, one thing we always have to be concerned about with uh dynasty is value, right? So even if he has those low end QB one seasons, this right now is probably going to be the highest his value ever gets unless he literally turns into Tom Brady. Right. 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 So um kind of that straddling that line between fantasy finishes and value is, is a big part of dynasty. So, so is McCorkle. And so, so is McCorkle. Yes. All right. Final guy we're going to talk about on today's show is Davis mills. We're going to skip over Trask and Mond for time. You know, maybe we'll talk about Kyle Trask on a, on a future episode. Uh, Davis mills was drafted in the third round by the Texans. He played 13 games, had 2,664 yards, 16 touchdowns and 10 interceptions with a 6.8 yards per attempt clip. Mitch, what are your thoughts on Davis Mills? The Texans have the third overall pick this year, but we know this is a weak quarterback class. All right. I think Davis Mills is an asset. I think that he is a quarterback three and I got him all the way up to quarterback 23. So a high end quarterback three, this immediately will change if the, if the Texans take a quarterback third overall, but I really don't think that they will. And that risk is baked into my rankings. Um, if you're playing super flex, having a, uh, having a serviceable quarterback three is a big difference maker. And Davis Mills, just like Mac Jones fits that mold. Um, I obviously don't want him to be starting every week, but I do think he is much, much cheaper than a guy like Mac. Um, I would give up Baker Mayfield in a heartbeat. And keep for Mills. Cut. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, would. I'm not with you there. I don't. I don't agree with that either. Uh, that's fine. I, <laughs> uh, James, keep trade cut agrees with you, Mitch. They but, do. Yeah. And uh, James Robinson, even early second round pick. I'm on board with Mills now. Um, it, what keep trade cut also says is Leonard Fournette, and that's where I'm starting to draw the line in the sand here. But the concerns are obvious. The Texans aren't good, and they're probably going to be picking up. Right where they left off last year, they're probably going to have a high draft pick the following year, and you know that might cut Davis Mills' run a little short. So that that's definitely in mind here. But you know he did a lot better than anybody projected him to do this year, and I'm curious to see how he does next year. There's three other guys in this range. There's Jared Goff, there's Daniel Jones, and there's Baker Mayfield, and these are all quarterbacks that I think are similarly at risk of losing their job, and you know people kind of love to hate on. And I would take all three of them over Davis Mills at this point. I just, I just think I see more upside there. And even with Jared Goff, right. Who a guy like we don't think is like very good. Like he are like, we've already seen him like produce uh high end seasons compared to Davis Mills and, and what he did last year. So um, 
no, he's not breaking in out of that like range that he's in right uh, right now. Um, and if I could trade him for Leonard Fournette right now, hell yeah, I'd do that. Well, sure. I mean, this podcast, I like the more ranking services I look at, the four of us are so much higher on Leonard Fournette like than the rest of the entire industry. Unbelievable. I mean, Mitch talked about it in halftime last week. Like, I'm still pissed from last week. It's ridiculous, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, John, any thoughts on Davis Mills or? I, I one thing I wanted to say is the I think Trey mentioned three guys: uh, Davis Mills, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. You, you got to think that we you're not going to have those guys on your team more than one year because all three of those guys could be teamless in, after this season, essentially. So, buyer beware. Yeah, I mean, I have Davis Mills on a couple of teams. He was like. Last offseason after the draft, it was essentially Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond and Davis Mills. And I think the reason I preferred Davis Mills out of all three of them is like clearly he had the path to starting games and that did bear out. It did. But now that that has borne out uh, and he's rated as like QB 23 or 24 on keep trade cut, it is time to take the profit. That's right. So you're Cash in the trade out. column. I, I'm standing yes. over here with a fistful of money again. Considerably less money, but I, I'm here. I believe I have Davis Mills in a in a league that we are in we'll together, talk, baby. Mitch, so please hit me up. Money. All right. That is going to do it for episode 43 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We will be back next week talking rookie running backs. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Goodbye. See you guys.